You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Hour two on this Meet Friday. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. And in case you're wondering, what's on the Traeger Grill? Barbecue chicken sandwiches, ultimate loaded nachos. Who has it better than we do? Nobody. Come on in, stay a while. I think we have a poll question. We're going to check in. Daniel Jeremiah, the NFL Network. He's at the Combine. We did measure our hand sizes to see who has the uh, largest and smallest. Yes, Seton? That's actually our poll question from hour one, Dan. Who has the largest hands? Uh, do you want to guess the order? Um, so whose opinion is this? This is our this audience? Is the audience's opinion of which one of us has the largest hands. Hmm. And then by proxy would be uh, the smallest. Okay. Let's see. Who has the largest I'm going to guess they'll have me or Marvin there. You, Dan, have 46% of the vote for largest hands. Okay. Todd coming in second, 23% of the vote. Now, this is the shocker. Marvin Marvin and Todd are actually tied for second right now with mm-hmm. 23% of the vote. Paul, you've got just 7% of the vote. I have zero, zero percent. Okay. <laughs> yes, Paul. Uh, I think you're probably going to get a lot of bets, Dan, because you're taller, play basketball. Yeah. yeah. I'm really concerned I'm going to lose to Seton this hand size bet. I've been hiding my hand size for years, and let, <laughs> I've let Seton take that bit and yeah. run with it over the past decade. Wow. I think I may lose to Seton. I don't know. I I think that I'm going to finish maybe third here. You know, once again, as I said, I got I got some mang- mangled hands here, some surgery, and uh, if they had measured it 20 years ago, then then I'd feel pretty good about this. The toddler, though, sneaky long. Mm. God, I think my hands are kind of small. He's got, he's got <laughs> fat hands. Nice. I think they're very average husky. size at best. If anything, maybe a little on the small side. You got husky. Yes, husky. Marv. No, I think I'm finishing in last because people say I'm tall. You don't not, have big not hands? A, not as big as you think. Mm. Okay. I can guarantee you, buddy, you're not finishing last. You can't be. You can't have smaller have, hands than Seton. I have the hands of a 12 year old girl. <laughs> and Seton, Seton's shoes. You know, when you go, like, oh, what size do you wear? And the same size as Wayne Gretzky. Yes, I know. That's all that matters. A nine. Me and Wayne rocking the nines. Yes. <laughs> you know what they say about little think, hands, little feet. Do you think that Big that's art. how Gretzky came up with 99? Like each shoe, <laughs> each shoe is, is nine, nine and nine? nine. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Next time we have the great one on. Text Gretzky, ask him if he came up with the number 99. That's idea. Yeah. That might be it. Shoe size is nine. <laughs> the other one's nine. Yes, Marv. I got small feet, too. Oh. We're size... 10, 10 and a half. Oh. So, wow. little hands, little feet. Yeah. Yeah. Do you get the same size feet as like every other dude in the room? Yeah. Except for me. But I'm also like four or five inches taller than some of you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Todd. I have size 11, but I think they're kind of swollen from a lot of salt in my diet. <laughs> so I don't think it has anything to do with so take that with a grain of the salt. Although I do, I I do think your feet get bigger as you get older. I don't know. My ankles and feet are swollen, and I don't think it has anything to do with any kind of male prowess or you know. I just look at the disappointed look on my wife's face, and I know it's got to be sodium related. Are you like a seventy-five-year-old man? I really I feel like I'm getting out of bed. I get the lower back pain. Things are creaking. You know, it's not the floor. It's definitely like body parts are popping noises. And here's a novel approach. 
How about some exercise? Some exercise and less, you know, maybe a few less chips and, uh, yeah. and cheese doodles and yeah. a little sodium intake. I know. I think I'm going to have to take one of those water pills, a diuretic or something. Something's <laughs> not right. No. How about you take less sodium? <laughs> take take less salt. Yeah. Put no, a lot of sodium on less, those Less fries. pills, less salt. That, yeah. that would be the approach. Ankles have been tight the last few days. Clippers roll the Lakers. Kevin Durant's back. Nets still lose. I was looking at a uh, stat here. Uh, Marv, could I get stat of the day music here? Kevin Durant at 31 in his first game back since January 15th. The Nets went 5-16 and 16 without Kevin Durant. Only the Knicks with three wins. The Rockets with three wins were worse over that span. That is your Friday stat of the day on the Dan Patrick Show. Charles Barkley, NBA on TNT, had this blunt assessment about watching the Lakers play. Man, we're not showing these guys anymore. We have the return. I'm making an executive, executive decision around here. What, what's, what, what, we're not showing them bomb from Southern California anymore. We stop it. Nope. They, they, they balling. Okay. Come on, man. We got to stop showing that team. You know, it's March now. I kept waiting until let's let's wait till December. Let's wait till Christmas. Then maybe we'll get a better assessment of the Lakers. We're, it's March now, and and it's what I thought in December, late December, early January. This is worse now in March. But the Clippers sweep the seasonal series again from the Lakers. NFL Combine rolling along. The NFL drops COVID protocols. Mike Shashevsky's last home game this Saturday at Duke. He's one of the more decorated coaches of all time. Five national titles, six gold medals as coach of Team USA. But after 1,500 games, he'll be coaching his final one on his home floor, Cameron Indoor. The Blue Devils, ranked number four in the country, will be hosting North Carolina. You spend over 40 years at a program. Your last home game is obviously a big deal. Tickets going for close to $3,000, more than $3,000. And with North Carolina in town, it makes it even better. This is one of the louder arenas I've ever been in. It it holds over 9,000 fans. But the way it's built, like structurally, it just feels it feels louder and more quaint, uh, smaller. But, uh, you know, this is normally a great game, end of the regular season game. But Coach K is uh, going to walk off that floor for the final time. They, of course, will have the tournament games coming up. And I started to think about Coach K. Coach K uh, started in 1980. I think his first win was against Stetson. But Dick Vitale started in 1979. You know, and and Dickie V would always talk about Duke. He loved the Dukies. You know, everything about Duke. You know, he was nicknamed Dukie V at one point. But, uh, you know, I thought about that with Coach K ending his career and I don't know if Dick Vitale will be able to call another game. I mean, I, I, I hope he is just healthy enough to be able to watch basketball. But he's going through a lot, a lot now, going through cancer treatment. But just the timing of this, we're getting ready for March Madness. This is when Dickie V is at his best. And, and you know, it's, it takes a lot out of him because he puts a lot into it. And I just thought about that, that Coach K and Dickie V 
coming into college basketball really at the same time. Uh, you know, when college basketball was peaking, Dickie Vi- Dick Vitale was, then Duke. Duke became a brand. Duke became a brand like Notre Dame and the Lakers and the Yankees. Late 80s, early 90s. Then we started to get tired of hearing about Duke because ESPN put Duke on every single night. Dickie V loved Mike Krzyzewski, the Blue Devils. You had Leitner, uh, Hurley. You probably didn't like them. Uh, had a, you know, a lot of players. A lot of players go through there. And I've said before that as much as I loved UCLA growing up and John Wooden, what Coach K has done is more impressive than what John Wooden did. Because Coach K was doing it in a one-and-done. You know, Coach Wooden had, you know, Lou Alcindor and Bill Walton stay all four years. He had two of the great, two of the five greatest, four greatest, three greatest college basketball players of all time. And they stayed four years. All of his players were staying four years. Coach K, they did stay. Leitner would stay. Grant Hill would stay. Bobby Hurley would stay four years, three years. And then you had the one and done. And to be able to kind of pivot and still make that work in a one and done era, uh, you know, to me, it's, it's remarkable. Uh, and Coach K deciding that this is the time and John Shire is going to take over. You still have the tournament run here, but to be around for this amount of time, uh, I remember graduating from college in 1979 and how important Dickie V was at that time. Because if you think about, and I, I I don't want to do Mount Rushmore here, um, but if you think about those people who were instrumental at ESPN. First of all, the Big East Tournament. The Big East Tournament and Dick Vitale and Chris Berman are the three most important things that happened to ESPN. Now, this is early when we didn't know what ESPN was going to become. And, you know, you go back when Dickie V was there and and ESPN was uh, carrying part of the NCAA tournament. Bob Lee was the host with Dickie V. Berman was such a formidable presence doing SportsCenter. I mean, Dickie V and and Berman, you know, they're there. That's where you start the Mount Rushmore. But having the Big East tournament and all of those different teams, coaches, styles, brands, it was so important for the success of ESPN. And you start to think about it now with college basketball. And look, I'm not going to whine or pine away for the old days. But, you know, I start to look at college basketball now. And we really pick, when we fill out our brackets, you may pick a team because you went to the school or you like the coach. You may pick a tradition that they've had down through the years. You know, it's still the tournament. It's still March Madness. It just, it doesn't have the name recognition that it once did. And it never will have that. You know, unless you get let the uh, players go from high school to the pros and those who stay. I mean, I, I, I wanted to almost entice you to get an education. That if you did go to college, you had to stay at least two years. And, and maybe you start something that you'll come back to. But if you want to go pro and that's what your major is, that's the job you want, you should be able to go. I know the NBA doesn't want young players. They, they, they don't even like the one and done. You know, they want something that's a little more finished, a little bit more polished, because sometimes you'll be drafting somebody and they may not pay dividends for a couple of years, and then you could be ready to go to your next team. 
I remember talking to David Stern about that, that he had players who would come in early, and because they were coming in early, they wouldn't last in the league. Had they had a little more seasoning, a little more coaching, then they probably had a better chance to do that. I don't want to begrudge anybody. Make a living, whatever your family situation is. I understand that. But it does hurt college basketball. Also, with the Super Bowl being moved back, the NFL Combine here, like that, that takes away some of the recognition uh, spotlight from college basketball. You know, college basketball is really about the next couple of weeks. I mean, college basketball gets maybe a month, maybe a little less than that. We're in March right now. Tournament will be over in early April. You got the combine here. Still have Aaron Rodgers' situation coming up, free agency coming up. And that carves into, cuts into the college basketball season as well. I'm lucky to have been able to watch the tournament, uh, go to the tournament, cover the tournament, interview these coaches from John Wooden to Coach K to Bob Knight. Uh, But I do miss it. Uh, it, It's not going to happen. And I don't think there's anything wrong with missing it. I think when you're complaining about it and then you don't want to watch it, like it's not fixable. I'm going to watch. I'm going to be introduced to some players and some teams that I I didn't follow during the regular season. We're going to pick our brackets. It'll be fun. All right, uh, let me get a couple of phone calls in here. Joe in Chicago. Hey, Joe, what's on your mind today? Hi, how are you, Dan? Good. I'm a big fan of the show and uh, first-time caller, and uh, I want to talk a little bit about the Combine. I have a comment about the Combine. Okay. And uh, I support everything you said about what they uh, measure in terms of how fast, how strong, how big you are. And uh, we at DePaul University did a research study, and we uh, because the offensive line is being – assessed today uh we did uh, about 170 players of the offensive line from d1 d2 and d3 players uh from schools like michigan michigan state duke north carolina and the like and uh, we measured uh, performance error and we measured things of basically what is a player's ability to learn and adapt and uh, what their disposition is kind of like your discussion about (laughs) Red light, green light, or that uh, that game by Hasbro in the 80s, Diamond. Um, we have a computer simulator that measures how players learn and adapt. And it's a pretty solid predictor. And so we shared it with all the coaches after the season. They track statistics on all the false starts of all the linemen. We, we measured why do offensive linemen false start. And uh, it was pretty eye-opening. And so I would suggest to the Combine and the folks at the Combine to use tools like the tools that we have and we've used uh, to measure performance and performance error and predicting performance versus the traditional measures. You can complement it. But but what's the measures. reason, Joe, they jump off sides, they full start? Um, we The reason, I would say, what players don't tend to false start and those players that tend not to false start have high perceptual cognitive skills, which basically means that they can, uh, their time and accuracy is very fast. They can hit a target very fast. They learn quickly. They adapt quickly. Their disposition, they tend to be very high in conscientiousness. We also measured their IQ. We measured their ACT and SAT scores, those in high IQ. IQ is also speed and capacity. So between those three measures alone, 
they're good predictors of uh, of performance error and why don't they false start. Hmm. All right. Well, thank you, Joe. Yeah, I wonder when you draft on potential, you know, and I've said this before, where you get drafted, like the system you go into, the coaching staff, is it a coaching staff that's been together? Is it an offense or a defense that's been together? Uh, your coordinator not changing? Because you know, quarterbacks will come in and they may have three or four different offensive coordinators over the first three or four years of their career. It's really hard to sustain any kind of consistency there. But what you draft, how much is drafting on what you see? How much is drafting on what could be? Because some, some players are finished products. They're as good as they're going. I maintain that Purvis Ellison was as good as he was going to get his freshman year at Louisville when they won the national championship. I thought that might be as good as Purvis Ellison's going to get, and I think it was. Went number one, won a national championship, but I don't know if he turned out to be – he wasn't as good as I thought he was – as I thought he was expected to be. But I did say, I don't know if he'll be better than what he is. And now he did develop an out, uh, outside game there in his second half of his career. But, yeah, trying to pick, you know, potential and what position do you sort of. And I'll ask, oh, you know, Daniel Jeremiah will give us more insights into this that you're looking for potential at what position? Is that good or is that dangerous? We'll uh, check in at the combine. More phone calls coming up. We'll also check in with the Lakers as well. Back after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. This award-nominated program brought to you by the great folks at Mercedes-Benz. The compact GLA proves it's not the size of the SUV in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the SUV. Learn more about the nimble and ready-for-anything Mercedes-Benz vehicle at MBUSA.com. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Uh, We will reveal our hand sizes coming up in the next segment. Any bets here on that? Well, each of us are going to try to call the order, and whoever nails it exactly uh, wins. Wins what? Uh, Respect. When you get to eat first on Meat Friday. How about that? So that would be you. Don't you usually go first? Yeah, I first do. after you or no, first no, no. overall? No, no, first overall. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, see. I have a quick, I could do a quick final poll update if you want from okay. the audience vote. Okay. All right. Uh, right now, Marvin has actually jumped into first with almost 50% of the vote. Oh, okay. Dan, you're in second. Okay. Todd is in third. The massive shift is actually I'm now in fourth with 7% of the vote. Paul just getting 2% wow. of the vote. Okay. See, I have that, uh, whatever that, uh, not your your finger. I have a trigger finger where it uh, comes back. I had surgery on that. You guys heard of this? It's usually if you're uh, Irish or English. I have a picture of you post-surgery. You sent me a picture of I your know. hand. How creepy was that thing? That was thing? gross. That was, yeah. But you know what? That just enough. Yes, Todd. Oh, Todd's. No, no, I'm looking at my, because oh. I'm you know, neurotic. I'm looking to see if I got trigger finger disorder or whatever you had. Yeah, I don't know what it is, so. I had, had had a surgery there. I have to have the surgery on the other hand as well. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah, I don't think they're checking hand size for the uh, analyst here, the NFL Network analyst and uh, former NFL scout. Uh, Daniel, have you had your hands measured at the combine? I, I've had my hand measured when I was scouting because we would do scouting clinics for young scouts at training camp. So when I was with the Baltimore Ravens, 
um, they had me measure my hand in front of the group so they could teach people how to measure your hands. And I don't know if I've gotten older or just imagined it, but I want to say I was. Oh, he was just ready to reveal and we just lost contact. We saw three of the fingers. Yes, yes. Yeah, I'm going to guess over nine and a half for Daniel Jeremiah there. I'm going to go. By the way, before uh, we'll try to get Daniel back with us. I just saw where um, Pete Carroll said that the Seahawks have no intention of trading Russell Wilson. That doesn't mean anything. If Pete Carroll said he's untouchable, there's no way we're trading him. Okay, now you, have, you say no intention. You know what happens? It's when the, you know, the Giants send you three first-round picks or something, and you go, look, we had no intention of trading Russ, but we got three first-round picks. We had to trade him here. Doesn't mean anything. Uh, let's bring back Daniel. So, Daniel, what was your hand size when you measured? Yeah, it was nine, Dan. So oh. it, was, it was right at nine. So uh, I was at the threshold. That was acceptable, you know. Uh, you wouldn't know it watching me throw the football, but my hands were big enough. Man, this was a big deal with Kenny Pickett's hand size, and I don't know how much it should be. So as a former scout, if you were looking at Kenny Pickett, and let's say you're the Steelers, what would yeah. this what would this do for your opinion of Kenny Pickett and where you would draft him based off his hand size? Well, first of all, you've you've seen him throw a zillion passes in your exact same environment, so that that should help you right there. Um, what, when I see a measurement like that, what, what I think, and I, I knew into the fall even that he had small hands. So when you watch him, you have that in mind. And I want to see is there evidence of it affecting him as a thrower? And I did not see any evidence of that impacting him as a thrower at the at the college level. Um, but then you look at the next thing and say, okay, well, what about fumbles? Yeah. Well, he had 26 fumbles in 49 games, which is a tremendous amount of fumbles. So that's where the issue is. So then you go back through, and with the video capabilities you have now, I can watch one fumble after another. And he's got a he's really got a bad habit of separating his hands when he moves around in the pocket. So I, I think you can correct a lot of those issues just by keeping his offhand on the ball when he's climbing and moving around inside the pocket. So those are reasons why I can I can get past it. I would have felt a lot better if during the, the rainy day down there at the Senior Bowl if he had a good practice and didn't have a bad one. But mm. uh, that was his that was a, not a good day for him down there at the Senior Bowl on that wet rainy day. But uh, on the whole. Um, I think most teams are going to be okay. All right. We have a bet here. Paulie uh, says that uh, a quarterback will be taken in the first 13 picks. The over-under was 13 and a half. Where would you bet today? Will we have a quarterback selected in the first 13 picks? Oh, I, I think I would, I would lean towards no, and but I, I don't feel great about that. I would lean towards no, partly because of Ron Rivera coming out and kind of showing his cards the other day and saying we need a veteran. So if you scratch them off the list, um, that takes away one of those teams. The Carolina Panthers, um, we'll see what they do in the veteran market. Um, They seem like they're pretty um, interested in trying to be aggressive during this veteran period. So I know one thing, whatever whatever the bet is, I think you're probably going to know after free agency who's winning it. What do you think is going to happen in free agency? I don't think the big guys are moving. Um, You know, I think Aaron Rodgers will resign. I don't think Russell Wilson is going anywhere. I think this Kyler Murray thing will probably give us some drama uh, over the next month, but they're not trading him. He's not going anywhere. So then, then you start looking at, you know, Deshaun Watson and that whole situation and waiting for the legal process to, you know, to kind of clear up to see who's going to be, you know, who's going to be aggressive in that, in that way. You know, it's, uh, it's unlike anything we've seen 
with his situation. I mean, that's a guy, I think he's 26 years old. Um, Dan, he's in the, you know, he's absolutely in the prime of his career. And as a player, he's, he's a top five player at the most important position. So that's a, a different scenario than I've ever encountered. Why don't we measure the hand size of wide receivers or, or make a big deal? I know they do measure, but why don't we make a big yeah. deal about the guys who actually catch the ball? Yeah, no, it's, um, it's interesting. Absolutely. You, you do. We do measure it and it gets discussed some in the, in the room, but I think I've seen some guys with, with small hands have some of the best hands in the NFL. So it hasn't been as much of an issue there. I think there has been some issues with, um, more fringy quarterbacks, but quarterbacks with smaller hands having more of an issue of controlling the football than guys with smaller hands catching the football. Um, but I mean, you know, DeAndre Hopkins has, I think he might have 11 inch hands or something. He's got some of the biggest hands you've ever seen. He's probably got the best hands in the NFL. So yeah, I, I think there's a case to be made. Maybe, maybe, uh, uh, maybe we should talk about it more with wideouts than we do with quarterbacks, but there has been evidence of, of quarterbacks with small hands having issues controlling that bigger NFL ball. I just want to know how strong your hands are. I mean, yeah, I, grip strength. Yeah, and and that's with wide receivers. It's like Jerry Rice and Chris Carter. You know, they didn't. You know, Larry Fitzgerald didn't have good forty-yard dash times, but they had great hands, strong hands. That when they caught it, you weren't going to knock it out. And you know, Cooper Cup. Like when we talk about this forty-yard dash thing, and I yeah. and I always tell my audience, you got to go back. You know, decades ago when Paul Brown was looking for how fast he ran down on a punt return, forty-yard mm-hmm. dash. We don't use the 40-yard dash in a game. It's very rare when you're running 40 yards. It's, and that's why these cone drills, although I can't sit there and watch them, they're more important to me, I would think, <laughs> as a scout. And you would know this, obviously, better than me. That's going to give me a better indication of, can you run a route? Do you, do, you, do you have sharp cuts? Can you get in and out of these routes? How quick are you in the first three to five yards, seven yards? And that's where Cooper Cup was really good at the combine, whereas 40-yard dash was in the you know lower quarter of all of those guys who ran that year. Yeah, and, and that's a great point. With his, his three-cone drill specifically, I think it was the best of any receiver in the draft that year, um, showing you that ability to be full speed and change direction. Um, so you, you have a combination of things now, Dan. You have those shuttle drills, which show you some of the change of direction stuff. You have the GPS numbers for actual game speed that uh, most of these teams can access. So you can see how fast he's in the game. Like a great example, Traylon Burks uh, yesterday, I think we had him uh, four five five from, from Arkansas. Well, he's faster than the, he's faster than the secondary Alabama because I saw it with my own eyes. They couldn't catch him uh, when he got out there in the open field. But as such a big guy, he's not going to blow you away right off the line, but he's one of those build speed players. So, I think you got to put all that stuff into the, the proper context. One thing, one thing it can do is it can alert you to the fact of maybe a guy's had a body change, and so he's running faster, you know, in the forty than maybe you saw him on on tape. Maybe he's come back from an injury that you didn't know that he had. Um, so it can kind of it can kind of alert you to some things if a guy runs faster or slower than you anticipate. Um, I think it can lead you to maybe some some good questions. But a guy like Cooper Cup. It's a great lesson for everybody, which is, I don't know, he runs away from people on tape. His shuttle drills are off the charts. Let's not overthink this thing. He's Daniel Jeremiah. You can follow him on Twitter at Move the Sticks. NFL Network's live coverage of the Combine on-field workouts continues today at 4 Eastern. Running backs, offensive line, special teams. Where is the drama in this year's draft? 
I think it's what what uh, what order these edge rushers come off the board, Dan. I think we're going to see a ton of them. Uh, we might see seven or eight of them go in the first round. I wouldn't be shocked if we saw a handful of them go in the top ten picks. Um, so to me, it's it's kind of how they're going to stack up. We'll see them work out. Um, gosh, tomorrow we'll get a chance to see those guys. It's as good of an edge rusher draft as, as I can remember. Uh, not just in kind of having some some real top end guys, but just the sheer number of them. So when you look around the league and you look at you know look at the team that just won the Super Bowl and you look at the teams that are consistently good every year, they've got great quarterbacks and they've got a great pass rush. So while the quarterback group might be down a little bit, um, I think this is as good a pass rush group as we've had in a long time. So that to me is is the exciting part to see how these guys kind of sort themselves out. But I also wonder, with the success of Aaron Donald, are we looking for the next Aaron Donald? It feels like we got a lot of edge rushers. There's only one Aaron Donald. Yeah, and that's the problem is that you you don't know you get an Aaron Donald once every twenty years. You can keep you can keep looking for him, but you know I don't know if you're ever, if you're ever going to find one quite like that. You know Chris Jones, and we've got some other good ones that have, have had big time impacts. We've got a solid group of defensive tackles in this in this draft. What we do have, though, Dan, is we've got guys that can that can be versatile, and you can let them rush inside. I think let's go back in the time machine to that Super Bowl that the Giants won against the Patriots, where you saw Justin Tuck, who was a, a big defensive end, who went inside and just destroyed those guards. We've got guys like Trevon Walker, um, who's going to be 275 pounds from Georgia, who can. He can slide inside there and do things like that. Jermaine Johnson from Florida State can do that as well. I think a lot of teams call that their NASCAR package. You put four defensive ends out there and let two of those guys rush inside and beat up on these unathletic guards. I think that's what this draft has a chance to give you. If you're Kenny Pickett, do you walk around Indianapolis with your hands in your pocket? Or... <laughs> um, I don't know, but I I found myself, and, and I've told you, I don't even – I don't see it as a major deal. I'm okay with his hand size. But, like, even on the coverage last night, when we would show him on the screen, and if there's that, uh, you know, that lower third graphic would be covering up his hands, and I'd be trying to look around it. Like, no, i got to see his hand. I want to see his hands look like. Oh, he got the meme treatment yesterday, though. Of, of... Oh, Dan, my phone, I get a lot of text messages. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of pictures. A lot of pictures. I, I'm going to make you the GM of the Colts. What do you do with Carson Wentz? Oh, man. Um, I think I'm trying to trade him. Um, They've made it so that I don't believe in his contract he has any offsets at all. So if you cut him and he signs somewhere else, you're not going to get any release or any relief, I should say, from that contract, which is good for him. He's going to be able to double dip if he does get does get cut. I just think when the, when the owner of the organization comes out and basically states they don't have much confidence and they need need to get better, um, I don't know how that how you run that back. So the challenge is going to be who the heck is their who the heck is their quarterback? Um, you know that 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 is going to be the challenge for them trying to figure out who that is. I I think it's a it's one of the easier quarterback positions to play in the league right now with their offensive line and run game and uh, and a pretty good defense. Uh, I don't think as much is going to be asked of that quarterback. So, you know, I, I could see, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked at all if that was like a, you know, you bring in a, a Mariota or a Trubisky or somebody like that on a, on a pretty friendly deal and, and just see if they can put that offense on autopilot. How about you're the GM of the Eagles? What are you doing at quarterback? I'm going to run it back with, with Jalen Hurts. I mean, I'm going to call, I'm going to call the, the Seahawks and see if there's any way at all they'll change their mind. 
pull something off there. I don't think they're going to answer. I don't think they're going to do anything. Um, but after you do your due diligence on that, you know, I guess you can call on Aaron Rodgers. I don't think that's happening either. But I think when you stack up Jalen uh, with the quarterbacks in this draft class, I think I would use those three picks um, to try and add some, some more players. You know, but if you were him. Seattle, though, Daniel, and I got yeah. Jalen Hurts and I got three first-round draft picks, Seattle would be crazy not to take that. I would I would be making that phone call, but I mean I'm just kind of taking Pete at his word the other day, saying that that's not happening. No, he said they have no intention, Daniel. You know what that means? We had no intention, but then we were blown away by this trade. We couldn't turn it down. Well, we can make that. I mean, I, we can make that trade right now. I think I would. I think I would do that if I was the Philadelphia Eagles. You said you would do it if the Seattle Seahawks. So if me and you can make this trade, maybe they can make it too. Well, I think that. I mean, if I'm Seattle, I got to get on a rookie contract here with a quarterback. I got to be able to rebuild. I get, you know, I get first round draft picks. I got a chance. Russ is going to, you know, he's 33. He's going to cost you. Uh, at what point do you get something in return for him? Philadelphia, not exactly ready to win now. Maybe close, but I, I would do that if I'm Seattle. I, I think yeah, Seattle is going to move. I think Seattle wants to move on. I just think they're trying to figure out what exactly can they get for Russ. Well, I think that I think the Philadelphia Eagles would be highly motivated there, and I, and I actually, I actually think they're they're a team that could make a you know Tampa Bay Buccaneer type leap with with somebody like Russell Wilson because mm, okay. they're good on the line of scrimmage. They have one of the better offensive lines in the NFL. You've got Goddard, who's one of the better tight ends. I think Devontae Smith, with a guy like Russell Wilson, would catch a zillion balls. Um, defensively, I know their sack numbers were down, but they've got a premier corner in Slay. They've still got some talent along that defensive line. Need to add some pieces here or there. But, uh, yeah, I could make a strong case, okay. especially in a division that's pretty average, that the Eagles could take a, a real quick leap. All right, real quick, you're the GM of the Giants. Well, first of all, thanks for giving me all these GM jobs. This has been a heck of a morning. I've already got four GM jobs. I haven't even had lunch yet. Um, if I'm the GM of the Giants, I'm probably trying to – I'm probably very aggressively trying to trade down in this draft. I think they've got a lot of holes to fill. I think they are going to stay committed to, to Daniel Jones, and I'd, I'd agree with that when you stack him up with this year's quarterbacks uh, to try and give him some help. I don't know if they'll find any trade partners to, to – slide down and collect a bunch of picks but that would be the effort uh, I would be trying to make and you got to get a a good evaluation on your quarterback this year so they've got to upgrade the offensive line and I think they've got to give him another another weapon to play with if at the end of this year you can make a proper determination on Daniel Jones I think you'd do that as a success but they can't go into next offseason with you know the lack of clarity that they have right now all right real quickly the college quarterback we are not talking about now but we should be or will be yeah, I, I think I'll, I'll give that to Desmond Ritter. You know, I thought you saw that yesterday. His accuracy was the question when you watched him on tapes. This kid's smart. He's a great leader. Gosh, he ran the low four fives yesterday. So he's tremendously athletic. I think you've got a lot to work with uh, with a kid like that. And I thought he cleaned up some of the footwork stuff that impacted his accuracy. So uh, that's one I think we'll be talking more about as we go forward. Thank you, bud. Have a great day. We appreciate your time as always. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate you. Daniel Jeremiah, NFL Network analyst and uh, former NFL scout, also the uh, radio color analyst for the Chargers, uh, Desmond Ritter out of the University of Cincinnati. We'll take a break. Phone calls coming up. We reveal our hand size after this. 
It might be a Friday. You might be winding down, but you can hear it in my voice. I've got energy. I'm ready to go. Take M-Drive Start every day. Daily dose of protein, nutrition helps me stay on top of my game. Pack with seven clinically tested ingredients, six premium proteins. It boosts energy, strength, reduces stress, the stress that Fritzy normally gives me, so you can keep up with your busy day no matter how old you are. You can find M-Drive at mdrivedan.com. Get it delivered right to your door. They offer free shipping, a 60-day money-back guarantee, so nothing to lose except for maybe some LBs. It's time to focus on your health in the new year and keep up with these busy days. So if you don't have a New Year's resolution, you got one now as we go into the month of March. Try M-Drive Start. Start your day with M-Drive Start. Energy, strength, and drive that you need to get more done every single day. Simple thing to do when you wake up. Don't let age beat you. Visit mdrivedan.com. Refind your prime with M-Drive. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it. You listen to it. I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, the results are in. Hand size. Have that for you coming up here in a moment. Our stats of the day brought to you by Panini America, the official trading cards of the Dan Patrick Show. If you could hit the music there, Marvin. Greg Popovich remains one win shy of Don Nelson's NBA record for coaching victories. Spurs have lost three straight. Popovich has 1,334 career victories, one behind Don Nelson's all-time NBA record. Let me get to Andrew in Washington. He's been on hold. He has a stat of the day as well. Uh, clearing out the inventory right now, danpatrick.com. Buy any St. Patrick's Day t-shirt. Get a mystery t-shirt for just $10. And who knows, you might get one of our more controversial shirts. Andrew, what do you have for me today? Hey, good morning, guys. Always great to check in with you. Um, I do have a stat of the day. Uh, but I was going to say one thing that I see with the Lakers that they need, that they are lacking this year, and it kind of goes off what Leg said yesterday was, you know, their body language is so bad. But yeah. they're kind of missing that glue guy. They don't have that guy that engages and, and gets excited on the bench, gives them a burst of energy on the floor, or keeps the locker room light. In years past, they've had like Josh Hart or Danny Green or Alex Caruso, and they just they're lacking that guy. They just tried to put mismatched pieces together. So that's just kind of my thoughts. That's my team to Lakers. I wish they were doing better. But even if they got in the play-in game, they'd play the Clippers right now, I think. I think they're both eight and nine seeds. So yeah. it didn't look good last night. But anyways, I do have a stat of the day. Thanks, Dan. All right. Hit the music. Start of the day. Start of the day. Start of the day. Here comes the 
John Moran has the fifth highest scoring average all time in the season at his age 22. Besides Carmelo Anthony, the other three ahead of him have all at least have one All-Star Game MVP, one League MVP, one Championship, and one Finals MVP. Those other three players, Kevin Durant, Shaquille O'Neal, and Kobe Bryant. Well done. Well done. Adam Schefter says the Cowboys likely to release Amari Cooper by the start of the new league year. He's due $20 million in fully guaranteed money on the fifth day of the new league year. That's March 20th. That's from Adam Schefter. All right. Hand size bets, Paulie. Dan, I got the back room if you want it. Oh, quickly. Okay. The back room guys, the BRGs of the DP show. Uh, Mario has the biggest hands, 10.1, which is too bad because if he had smaller hands, he wouldn't have caught that pass in the corner and shot that air ball in the AUAA. Mm. He may have dropped it. Yeah, see, big hands don't help you when you're shooting the basketball, apparently. Uh, Eric, the big German, 9.75 inches. Okay. Uh, Dylan, the graphics guy, we got the beer out of his hand for a minute to measure it, 9.5 inches. Weeks, the cameraman, 9.4 inches. Let's see. Tyler, the moderator, 9.2 inches. He was okay. petting a dog at the time, so we had to measure quickly. Okay. Ray, the intern, 8.5 inches. Oh, he's at, our Kenny Pickett. Yes, well, no shock at all. Rob. Oh, little Rob. The editor. Yeah. His were like 4.5 or something <laughs> like that. They didn't even hit the scale. <laughs> He buys children's mittens when he, you know. Goes That's a big. You think Ray? Ray's a taller, yeah, taller yeah, fella. Yeah, lanky. Yeah. yeah lanky. That, that was surprising. So Mario finally doing something uh, right. Okay, Paul. I have the front room order from biggest to smallest. All right. Do you want to do a prediction or do you want to hit it? You hit it. All right, here we go. The biggest hands of anyone on the Dan Patrick show in the air. Dan Patrick, 9.38 inches. Oh, my God. You did it. So nervous. What a relief. Yeah. Yeah. Wait a minute. Yours are 9.3? Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm going to be like seven and a half. <laughs> In second place, there have never been used to do any type of manual labor. Oh, Todd Fritz. Todd Fritz. Wow. Which, and it's funny, the backroom guys listed, listed his as nine and two ace instead of nine and a quarter. Okay. That's interesting. Well, I found 9.1 to be interesting. Like, yeah. what is the point one part? Okay. In third place, who do you guys got? It's, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Marvin. I'm in third Whoa! place. Whoa! Major upset. Just a shade under nine inches. That's oh. what she said. Okay. Marvin. Wow. Man, this Marvin. Dan, you're, you're taking a hit. <laughs> taking a hit, brother. Now nah, it's all good. No. I knew it. I knew it. Small feet, small hands. I may need a remeasure here. Big heart. Can't dance. <laughs> In fourth place, Seton O'Connor, yes! eight and a half inches. <laughs> Marvin's are seven and seven eighths. Yes. Kenny Pickett's making fun of you. Yes. What an upset. Oh. <laughs> wow. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> Wow. Sorry, Marv. You want to go in the back room now? That's great. One more item as we close out hour two, Butcher Box. Oh, it's always great to open up Butcher Box and uh, the meat that we're using today on the uh, Traeger Grill. In fact, uh, let's see, Meat Friday, we have the chicken sandwiches there right out of the Butcher Box. Every month, Butcher Box ships a curated selection of high-quality meat right to your home, free shipping in the continental United States. No antibiotics, no added hormones, and each box contains between 8 and 14 pounds of meat, depending on the box you choose. So that's about 
24 individual meals. I can get a butcher box and feed not only the Danettes myself, but also the backroom guys as well. Customize your own box or go with one of theirs. Either way, you get exactly what you want. And I mentioned the great deal is back. Ground beef for life. New members, free ground beef for life plus a $10 off coupon. Go to butcherbox.com Patrick. Two pounds of ground beef free in every order for the life of your membership. Log on to butcherbox.com slash Patrick to claim this great deal. 